Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hear the Noise Pod. Today, you really had to do it like episode, that? <laughs> you really tried you to do it like that? You asked me to introduce Every time we do an episode, I say welcome, welcome, welcome three times, right? And then you just come in and you're like, ladies and gentlemen, what is this? The opera? Like, <laughs> be serious. No, it is not. It is me introducing. <laughs> I mean, I cannot use the same introduction as you now, can I? Yeah, but mate. Okay, you know what? It's your thing, Vera. It's all it's right. It's thing. all right, Sage. It's all right. Do your Sage thing, innit? No, you ruined it now. It's okay, fine. Fine. I'm done. No. Are you You're shy? Are you shy on introducing me? What's, what's <laughs> like, going on here? No, nobody knows who we are. You can't say you're done. Nobody knows who we are. We're just random voices right now. Exactly. So. <sighs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi, everyone. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> I feel okay, attacked. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, welcome to Heather Noise Pod. We are Vera, we are Sage, and we are our main guest today, KG. Welcome, KG. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome, awesome stuff. Oh, Vera, how are you? How have you been? I've been amazing. Me? I've been amazing. Mm. I can't lie to you mm. guys. So, um, mm. So this is like our, hi, how are you doing, right? I'm doing amazing. Mm. Like, as in like, I can't even, oh my God. Are you seeing my background? Do you see how bright it is? You can't see anything, right? You can't see anything, sun, nothing at all. Sun is streaming through my window right now. <laughs> it's sunny that side, eh? It's sunny, and I'm seeing people riding their little bikes outside. And I'm like, oh, I just want to finish this recording. How long have you been waiting for the sun? Uh, we've had a very long winter. Not really, mm. but you know, winter always feels long. So yeah, yeah. I got a, my brother got me a bike this, this week, this last week. Um, no, mm. two weeks ago, actually. And I took it for a test ride and it was not great. So I took it in for a service and it's still not great. So I'm going to return it to the bike shop, have them put back what they took out. And then I'm going to go for a bike ride on this very sunny day. What, what was wrong with it? Um, like, you know, when you like pull the gears, but then uh-huh. your bike doesn't stop. <laughs> no, no. So that so was the situation. The not working. The rear brakes were not working, and the front brakes were making this horrendous noise. So I was like, okay, obviously I need more brake pads in the rear. No problem. Yeah. And can yeah, we fix yeah. this noise? Their man them were like, you know, when you take your car in for for like repairs and stuff, and they're like, oh, it's just gonna cost a hundred. It's just minor things that we need to do. And then you go to yeah. pick up your car and they're like, yeah, we had to replace this and we had to change that. Once we opened it up, <laughs> it, was, it was so much worse than we predicted. And yeah. you have, you're finding yourself paying like triple what you actually agreed to, right? Basically exactly. what happened with my bike. I was quoted 60. I ended up paying like literally about 100. And I was like... <laughs> wow. They had me buy a whole new wheel. They were like, yeah, your wheel is concave. Your blah, blah, blah. What? Like, okay. what? How I much is a bike? If you paid a hundred bucks, so, how much is it just buying a new bike? Okay, so the type of bike that I have is those like uh, I forgot what the what the name is for them, but you know the kind of like ladies' bikes with the basket at the front and like they're kind of cute and old school, yes. right? Exactly. Those yeah, bikes the... in the shops cost about three hundred plus pounds, okay. right? <laughs> I got my second hand. Yes. <laughs> no, bikes are money, guys. 
bikes are not they're not they're, no they're oh not, they're, they're, they're not talk like the minimum for a bike here is like 3k which is like is 200 something yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. um i got mine second hand which was like 70 pounds and i thought because mm. my brother bought it for me um mm. i can splash out do a little service give it a little and mm. obviously because it was second hand i wanted to make sure everything was working right before i yeah commit mm. into it right before i i took myself out for like these long long bike rides um yeah no i i'm gonna go there and i'm gonna get my money back <laughs> they didn't resolve the one issue that i went in for and like they, when it? i went in was there the they were like it was the noise the noise when i pulled the front brake it's it's mad yeah. loud and it's like wow it's actually insane i mean they all, told me that i just needed like change no they changed everything we changed the brake pads remember oh. So it wasn't the brake pads. Yeah, a bit, or maybe it is. Change the know. cable. Change the the brake cable. Change mm. the springs. Change the. We're not gonna do that. I think getting you bike. No. That's the best thing. Do I mean, you, you know how long I have waited already. for this bike? This very specific particular bike. Oh my god! No, <laughs> you're playing games. You're playing games. You already spent a hundred pounds for, on That's a seventy right. pound bike. They're gonna bring. They're gonna give me back my money. So I'm gonna go there today. I'm gonna give them back their wheel. All right. Um, Hopefully, they won't give you any problems. In no, there's there's, money. there's no there's no problems. They're gonna give me back my okay. wheel. And that's the thing. They replaced the bike chain, right? When I went in there, yeah. they were like, "Oh yeah, everything's you know, it's been kept really well. You just need to get new pads and a bronze service, hence the sixty pounds for the service, right?" Yeah. And I went in there. They're like, "Yeah, we had to replace the chain." <laughs> <laughs> Did you we try oiling? Um, okay you know sorry yeah i'm, I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by that because i grew up like riding a lot of them yeah so... i mean same but i just thought you know what it's the first time i don't mind spending the money because it's like the experts are gonna do it and I, i'm gonna mm-hmm. have that that knowledge and, and, and comfort in knowing that it's been done and everything is mm-hmm. a-okay we need to find <laughs> we need to find that everything is not a-okay so I just, I'm just like, it's all right. I'll deal with the noise. I rarely use my front brakes mm. anyway. Just give me back mm-hmm. my old wheel. Um, and just yeah, keep the pushing. front brakes are pretty much dangerous to use. So the best brakes to have is the yeah. back brakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it is what it is. I've got a new chain. <sighs> and, they, and this is the thing. They were like, yeah, we're going to throw in a bell. Because I was like, I, I don't have a bell. I don't know how to warn people when I'm behind them. <laughs> um, they're like, oh, we don't have any bells to sell. Oh, but I'm goodness. just going to attach a bell on there. Because we have so many you know, I'm talking and I don't about think the it up. Why did I see five pounds charge for a bell, please? I was like, sir. Five pounds for a bell. Fam, <laughs> I was like, take this off my receipt right now. Because this was not the agreement. And I did not agree to a new chain. But I'll accept the new chain. But nah, you're not charging me for this bell. It's not happening. So, wow. yeah, I'm just really excited to... Yeah, the, the bicycle, the bicycle market must be down for them to be charging so much no, for a bell. It's, it's, oh, mate, uh, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not because in this pandemic, a lot of people have taken to exercise because that's the only reason you have to be outside. Like that's the only yeah. permissible reason you have to be outside unless you're going to work, right? So hmm. bike sales have gone up, um, bike repairs have gone up. Like people are out here biking regularly like regularly mm. um i think two of my friends in this pandemic have bought bikes one of them spent like a good good few hundred 
on his bike. <laughs> uh, name it. Like, name I'm not, it. I'm not, I'm not going to... Mm, no. Yeah. <laughs> Is it when that he thing? told me the price, I was like, oh. And then apparently that's like, that's like entry level. Huh? It's like yeah. a sports bike or something. Is it? No, it's an entry level bike. If you want to get into the sporty sporty, you're looking at like the eights and the nine hundreds and the thousands. So fifteen hundred for a bike. My God. Yes. Pounds. <clears throat> exactly. That's, the whole point. That's, that's expensive. Would you ever spend fifteen hundred pounds each on a bike? What? Fifteen. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> the things I would do with that money. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, fifteen hundred pounds for is a salary, eh? Exactly. It would solve for, a lot of my problems. For other a people, lot of my problems. But then again, think about it this way. Think about it this way, yeah. We've had an increase of like delivery and like yeah. all these, you know, like food delivery services. I don't know what the other ones are. Um. And a lot of them use bikes. So mm. it's more like an investment, isn't it? For you to like is, buy a good bike and then you're then able to use it to work. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Rather than it just being like, like for me, I'm like, ah, oh, this is just for fun. I don't have to, like, I'm not mm. dependent on my bike. You know mm. what I mean? So I can do without the, the extra bits. But like, if that's like, your livelihood especially at a time now where people have lost so many people have lost their jobs and the yeah. industry that's doing all right is food delivery <laughs> you would yeah, spend a couple couple hundred to just get a bike and then get yourself set up so you can you know you can do some delivery get the money i see i can't think of any others i'm not i also think it's i haven't been delivery well. in case anyone's oh yeah that that too it's a good one but, like a bike is more environmentally friendly than a car. I don't think a bike would work here. Things are too far apart for a bike. And people don't know how to drive. Like name it as it is. Like, people don't know how to drive. We don't have bike lanes, so. I, I mean, no, I was about to say we don't have bike lanes, but that's a lie. Yeah, we don't Listen, have bike lanes. Yeah. You know, you know how in China there was reckless yeah. driving. But um, like it was always kept like sixty, eighty. You guys like, don't have speed limits. Like... Oh, we do. Oh, it's, it's... Okay, it's, it, we do. It's yeah. a concept. Ages face is like. Dude, we do that. I feel, I feel with people here, they do it on purpose. The majority yeah. of people do know, but when it comes to public transportation, they don't care. They feel like they own the road. Oh, we're talking about these taxis and the combis and stuff. Yeah. Oh, no, we're talking about everyone, but he's specific. I mean, I saw a video one time. (laughs) I saw a video one time of a dude driving Mercedes-Benz A400, sorry. Nice classic car. Mm -hmm. Nice newish car. And he's on a stretch of road. The limit on the road is 160, is 60. And he's moving 140 in between cars. We all do that. I mean, everyone does that. I mean, no one we? actually. <laughs> I mean, do people actually follow the speed limits on a high? Like, you know, case how, in point. You know, listen. You know how roads here are. Like, the highway is sixty. The speed limit is sixty on a highway. That really doesn't make sense. Can I ask you know? a question? Yeah. Are we talking about kilometers or miles here? Kilometers. kilometers. I mean, we use kilometers here. I mean, only Americans use miles. I think. No, we use miles. 
So this is the, yeah, this is the struggle that I had when I was home. I think it was in 2014, right? No, 2016. Is that uh, my car is in miles because it's it's um, British made, right? So the yeah. dash mm-hmm. reads miles. And I'm just driving around thinking, oh, we're going 60 miles an hour. No yeah. problem. <laughs> Turns Why out. Why are you using miles in Britain? <laughs> Turns out. I was uh, I was speeding, um, and I remembered that <laughs> so swiftly when the police were behind me, and I was like, "Why are these people following? I don't understand." Yeah, no, I was driving sixty miles an hour, which to me is kind of like slow, but yeah. you know, like sixty kilometers <laughs> is like what forty miles 40. an hour. That's slow. Forty yeah. miles. That's slow for that's a highway. Slow. Yeah, for that's a slow. highway. Our highways are like. 70 but no exactly. one keeps to that like it's, I this mean, is why this is why people need to here. 60 60 kilometers an hour is just slow yeah slow. that's that's residential driving well yeah that's not residential, residential but <laughs> residential, is, residential here is 30 30 kilometers an hour that's the residential uh, okay yeah, yeah you guys you guys have a problem but yeah so in 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 Short, I'm doing very well. <laughs> How are you doing, yeah. Sage? Oh, oh, thank you for asking. Um, I am what? I'm all right. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing okay. Mm, it's mm-hmm. been an interesting couple of weeks. Mm, yeah, it's kind of good. Anything new that I've done? Yes, I knew that question was coming. <laughs> I bought an air conditioning on higher purchase. Okay. And you did? An air con- yes. And I'm yet to install it. So I'm paying okay. for something I'm, I'm not using. That you're not using. Mm. Yeah, using, yeah. That's all right. That's, that's <sighs> the life you've chosen for yourself. And that's fine. Yeah. It's perfectly yeah. okay. And you know how um, I got to that point, yeah? My parents yeah. decided that, because um, I'm living with them for now, um, like, no, you know what? Um, every room in the house, well, not every room, but every communal room, like the bedroom and living room and stuff, except for the dining room, has an aircon. So why not put one in your room? I'm like, you know what? I'm good. I'm used to using a fan. I'm okay with an, a fan. I went and bought myself a little fan. It does wonders for me. I'm good. My parents just say, you know what? This is not going to work. We don't like this. They go and write it out in my name. <laughs> so you're telling me that your parents bought an air conditioning unit um, on higher price. And I'm paying for it. And you're, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how you should have phrased it. Because this is, that's not what that is. <laughs> that's different. That's different. Because when you and say then, you bought dad... it, it means that you mm-hmm. made that choice. But this choice was no, made no, for no. you. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and then my dad comes in. He's like, you know, yeah, um, it needs to be installed, right? Yeah. He's like, you know, I didn't finish up paying those guys who installed the last one in the sitting room, so um, yeah. So we're not gonna call them back because we yeah. don't have their money. You want to use the same guys? So <laughs> <laughs> then, that's all right. Um, so I that's all right. <laughs> of course, okay. but they have to call them back. And it's like, you know, but when they come back, they're going to want full payment. I'm not ready. So, yeah, he was signaling that my boy, um, 
You need to take it. You know what? We're going to have to do a point, an episode on the black tax because. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's a very interesting mm, topic. It is. But speaking of topics, today's topic, mm. it's just one simple question. I'm not even going to elaborate. I'm just going to say it and then you guys can speak your mind mm. about how you feel, right? Mm-hmm. Should what mm. happens in the family stay mm. in the family? Mm. You want an easy answer or a very complicated answer? Complicate my life, why not? But let me elaborate well, before you speak, right? Okay. I say this because Sage and I were having a conversation about what our... Well, basically, just trying to decide what our topic is going to be. And, like, yeah. I remember I, we were on the phone, right? Or was it voice note? I mm. think it was voice note. Voice note, yeah. And I was like, oh, what's happened in March? Because February was, like, the gorilla glue thing. And then January was... I can't remember what happened in January. Storming the capital. Storming the capital. Yeah, that was what happened in January. Mm. <laughs> but, like, nothing's really happened in March. You know? Yeah. March has been pretty mm-hmm. chill. Um, But we record towards the end of the month. So... We'll see what happens. Maybe something will pop up. (laughs) The very next morning, did I not see like uh, Insta stories talking about abuse within families and how people's response to this whole Kirk situation just goes to show how toxic, um, how many of us come from toxic backgrounds, especially those of us in the church. And I was like, Kirk, what? What did Kirk, Uncle Kirk? What did Kirk do? <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, I had to follow the hashtags and dig a little deeper. And um, mm-hmm. it turns out that Kirk Franklin's estranged son, thirty-three-year-old grown-ass grown man. man. Okay, guys, easy. Let me tell the story. Let me tell the story for those of them that don't know. <laughs> Went on Instagram. Actually, you know what? Mm-hmm. I want to read the caption for you guys. But basically what happened is he went on Instagram and posted these recordings that he had. One of them was, I think it was uh, a phone call that he was having at that particular moment, right? And the mm. other one was a recording from like, I don't know when. But he basically came into Instagram and posted this and was talking about um, how he doesn't, he was done, right? Now in these recordings, mm. there was some very... Um, nasty colorful language <laughs> from kirk because you know when people say kirk right i just thought nah yeah. it can't be kirk franklin kirk right mm. but then when you hear the voice you know he's got one of those voices that's like this can't be anybody else like it's, it's this, unique yeah like, it's yeah. kirk um this man was talking about breaking his foot off somewhere the sun don't shine <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you know like just Oh my goodness. I can just, it just, it was a lot. It was a lot. Have you guys heard the recording? Yes. Um, yeah. yeah? We, we did hear it. We did. Sage, okay. we did hear it. Oh, yeah. Sage, yes, you did, did hear it? part of it. Yeah. Yeah. We, had, we, we did hear it. So, how, like, <clears throat> having heard those recordings, just the recordings by themselves, like the way that he was speaking in, in, the, in that video, what was your initial reaction? Somebody done pissed them off. Mm-hmm. Like that's a generally that's what I thought. Like somebody done pissed Kirk to to the max. 
mm-hmm. and he's lost it to the point mm-hmm. where he says you know like he's cussing him out cussing him out and like don't don't disrespect me like don't that and drops ever. the call <laughs> that ever exactly. was strong no <laughs> but like you get it like saying don't you ever disrespect me and then mm-hmm. dropping the call mm-hmm. that shows like he was done he mm-hmm. was he had had enough the next thing he was going to do was throw hands like yeah <laughs> i saw i saw that i was like mm. i was i was really at, at one point i was shocked i was like well this is a gospel mo gospel man mm. saying saying all these things and i was like wait let me separate the gospel man the, the church man the church going man and the celebrity because in general he is a celebrity at the end of the day mm-hmm. you know him and and there's all these two sides to the story so i was like i'm only hearing him him pressing out his own son what did the son do i wanted to know what the son did because there's no way a man would just come out and just press his own son in such a manner mm-hmm. that individual didn't do anything to take that person to that point exactly so this we we don't hear his son's um what you call it what his son says before i mm-hmm. think most of the recordings you don't even hear what his son says before you just exactly, hear yeah. mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's quite selective of him to share i think yeah he's mm-hmm. trying to paint a, a narrative a narrative about his own father he's trying to make himself come across as a victim and the father as an aggressor so mm-hmm. yeah so that 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 was your guys takeaway see for me yeah. i couldn't separate the artist from his art or the gospel artist from his gospel do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like i yeah. felt like if you're going to present yourself to the world in a particular light especially one that represents a higher power i.e. god um i'm not saying that you're like beyond fault mm-hmm. but shouldn't we hold you to a higher standard because I that language you. listen <laughs> that like no like for me i i personally just took fault with the language and uh-huh. it okay i took fault with a lot of things but the language <laughs> yeah he sounded like just some guy that like some some hood person do you know what i'm saying like someone that you just do not cross it doesn't you yeah. forget that like he grew language. up in the hood though it's not even about forgetting that you grew up in the hood mm. but is your childhood going to define you for the rest of your life am i going to be like okay. oh yeah i grew up in Compton so it's not my fault that i'm not that guy so childhood didn't like you grow as a person you evolve mm-hmm. because you take personal responsibility for who you are as an adult and mm-hmm. move past certain behaviors instead of just being like oh but you know, my childhood was like this so we can't really excuse that because he grew up in a certain area and if mm-hmm. you look at his music which album was i'm sorry to laugh yeah but like my friend texted me a few days after that and they were having this whole conversation about the memes that came out after all of this Kirk Franklin stuff um and hello fear was one of them it was just like uh he just killed me but in the album itself hello fear he's talking through the process of like actually in a lot of his albums he goes through the process of like oh i've been like this like this like this but because thanks to god i've gone through the journey and i've come out the other side and you know 
yay yeah. God. Do you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, okay, yeah. so at any point have we dealt with the anger that I'm seeing right now? The very like mm. uncontrolled anger. And it's not to say that anger is a bad thing because there's biblical anger. You know what I'm saying? Like even mm-hmm. the Bible speaks about there's righteous anger, but like people can make me mad and I'll just mm. walk away. The problem that I had, the thing that stood out to me when I first, 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 first heard that recording was this guy was like, I'm going to break my foot off in blah, 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 blah. And the way he was saying it, no, guys, the way he was saying it in that first recording, he was very calm. He was very calm. He knew exactly what he was saying. And he, oh my goodness. I was like, "Mm." you know, when you get someone angry and they're speaking to you calm, no way. That's dangerous. (laughs) dangerous but the things that he was saying were problematic Mm. and the fact that there was somebody else in that conversation that found all of that funny was problematic Mm. oh yeah there was someone laughing yeah there was a mad cackle in that recording like he's like i'm gonna break my foot off and i was like was it from his side or from it was from his side you could hear it it was it was on the Mm. it was on kirk's side and the other thing that really stood out to me was the comment section. The amount mm. of people that were like, this is family business. You had no business bringing it to us. And yeah. kids have no respect. And like all the, like people come in with the Bible verses, you know, the ones that parents love to quote. Um, yeah. What is that? Ephesians respect something. Respect your elders. Re- your, 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 your father yeah. and your mother. Your father and I'm and mother. like, yeah. do we as a, as a, as a church body, excuse a lot of abusive behavior under the umbrella of righteousness or holiness. Oh. Hmm. I would That's, say for um, me that was that was because a lot of church things? people were coming were coming yeah. out. And it's yeah. the same things that happen when you have like Church leaders. You're venting now. You're church, venting. Because it's, <laughs> it's, these are things that are happening like quite recently in, in my mm. church specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where you have like church leaders that are being um kind of like shunned and, and put out for having a history of inappropriate behavior towards women, sexual abuse towards mm-hmm. women. And then you yeah. take it to the elders and the elders say, Oh, he's he's a uh, he fell into temptation. Or he, you know, he was he was possessed by a demon. Something that excuses yeah. the person's behavior and doesn't actually um, make them accountable for their action. Do you know what mm. I mean? Or like they kind of encourage this thing of like, you know, God says we must forgive and then nothing gets done. And that's how you have a pattern where there's a history of woman after woman after woman coming forward saying this person touched me inappropriately or this person did this. And the, the, the church elders and the church leadership does nothing but maybe move this person onto another church, but doesn't actually bring forward this this thing that they've done, doesn't make it known, doesn't make it public, doesn't make anyone else aware. They're just like, oh, it was time for him to move on. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I hear you. Hey, you, wanna, you wanna go first, Sage, or should I no, jump in? Please, by all means, KG, go ahead. I feel like <laughs> as, as people in general, as Christians, sometimes we hold uh, the higher elders in church to a certain standard, we feel like they are not 
humans and they cannot make any mistake because that's one thing I've realized even when growing up is when I was growing up as a child I had a lot of friends who were that their parents were pastors or deacons or bishops but out of all my friends they were the most like terrible children like yo yo can you can you calm down leave us PKs and PKs alone okay PK um let the man speak I was so confused, like, because I came from a Christian home, but my parents were not, were not pastors, doing nothing. But I came from a very strict home. But I was, I had this mentality, believing that you know what, if your parents are pastors or have a position in the church, their kids are going to be very well behaved. But around me, a lot of my uh, my friends and people I knew, they, they did a lot of terrible things, things that you wouldn't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, children who belong to pastors should do so <laughs> for me I just feel like we hold people in the church at, at just an unbelievable standard they're human beings at the end of the day and they're going to slip up and and in fact when they do something wrong if for example if, if women come in the church they know I've been tasked a certain way they should be taken to test because at the, at the, at the end of the day they're human beings they should be charged with sexual harassment or anything they've done if they're found guilty we shouldn't put them at, at a pedestal because at the end of the day they're human beings they're just vessels being used by the spirit of the lord so i just find that these are human beings and they're just human beings at the end of the day yeah huh. i think they have yes they can they haven't been gained by the lord they have that special you know status and but can I, just, can I just yeah. interject? <laughs> yeah. Um, not everyone that's... I saw the status today, right? And mm-hmm. it really is speaking to a lot of things in life yeah. right now. And it said... What did it say? It said not everyone in prison is a, a criminal. Is a criminal, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not everyone yeah. in church is a Christian. Is a Christian. So yeah. I feel like not everyone that has a position of leadership is actually ordained by god sometimes Mm. as people just like we just like to have position and power um and if you're trying to have influence in the church the best way to do it is to have a position of leadership you might not that might not be your calling but you feel like you deserve and i've come across a few instances where people feel like they deserve a certain position and because they don't have it they I don't know, act out or they're sour or sometimes people who have a particular position, um, but they don't, they don't act accordingly because it's not their calling. It's just the position. It's just a job. You know what I mean? So I feel like sometimes you have pastors and you have leaders, but not every, not everyone that goes to church is a Christian. Not every pastor is ordained. Yeah. So this is why I say even Kirk Franklin, I even though he sings gospel, he's a gospel musician. I'm I'm sure at the end of the day, he he's gonna act out just like any other person when they're put in a situation where there are 33 old men that is a son is disrespecting <laughs> him. I mean, if this was a young boy, a 12-year-old boy, a 15-year-old teenage kid, then it would be very disturbing the type of language he uses with this young child. But this is a 33-year-old man. That this is not a this is not a child anymore. I mean, what more do you want 
your father to do that he has not done when you were a kid. I mean, he, he his name is Kerion, right? Kerion came from mm-hmm. a very privileged background. His father is a very rich man. I'm sure, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how he was raised, but I'm sure he was raised with a silver spoon because looking at the other siblings, the other children he has, Kirk, they came out all right. But why is Kirk acting out? And it's not right to put out such problems in the family unless you're being physically abused or in any way in uh, sexually or anything you should keep these things personal in your in your family it's not very good to publicize your underwear just to, so anyone can see it it's it's, it's not good mm, mm, underwear okay <laughs> you don't want even you don't want to dry your underwear in the street you can't do that what's the saying Anyway, I've forgotten what the saying is. I forgot what the saying is. Uh, hanging yeah. dirty laundry. Yeah. yeah, hanging dirty laundry in the public eye. And that's just, that's not what I feel like you should, he should have done. If he has a problem with his own father, he should talk to his father, man to man. He's a man. He's not a child. Go mm-hmm. and speak to your father. Tell him your problem. You know, there's so much. If you need help, I'm sure your father's going to help. If he doesn't help you, then that's that. It you can go the court of public opinion once you go to the court of public opinion nothing will get solved because the public we being the public we love juicy stories so we're gonna oh we like turning we're gonna lead what's so interesting you know the public is always gonna lead to what's so fun and juicy never Mm -hmm. the truth Mm -hmm. so yeah okay sage what you what you what you thinking oh now i can speak Right. Yes, you can. can speak now. I mean, like mm-hmm. you're like an exceptional PK. Do you know what I mean? You're not. You're you're the exception, not the rule. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, Sage. I was like, what did I do? I think I made a reference to like a genuine song, and you looked at me with a blank face, and I was like, you, yeah. you were, my friend, there's so how do much you not know done, genuine. There's so much that he was very picky on. Mm. I think he was. He was. A, he's a. He's an exceptional, but he's yeah. changed a lot. Yes. PK, speak wow, to us. Okay. We're listening. <laughs> okay. I think um, I'll be honest. I actually agree with a lot of what you guys are saying. As mm. much as I was flustered at the beginning when you said, oh, PKs are horrendously <laughs> misbehaving. So like, oh I can't stand up for my <laughs> You know, it, I won't even lie. It does fit. Like, <laughs> so... Um, it comes with, I think, a lot of misunderstanding, not just from the family of the pastor as well, but also from the family, from the church. You know, the way um, the church also holds um, pastor's kids and them. They forget that the pastor's kids, as well as the pastor's wife, are not necessarily called into the pastor's um, mission and his calling in this world. Like, they have their own objectives. They have their own lives to live. They are their own person as well. Mm-hmm. So bundling them up with um, responsibility that the pastor has as well usually causes a lot of these issues that come up, especially like when you rebellion from a young exactly from yeah. a young age. You know, as a pastor's kid, maybe already being forced into, you know, teaching to uh, preaching to the other kids, or you're mm-hmm. supposed to be an example. Of course, yes. you are because of the status that your father has, but yeah. or your mother has, depending on who's the pastor and whatever. But at the same time. You are your own person. You have your own lessons to learn. So it shouldn't be that now all of a sudden you do not have a life to live. 
you are the picture of what every child should be. When do you grow up? You get what I mean? Mm -hmm. When do you live your life? When do you learn your lessons? When do you become you? On the flip side of it, at the same time, carry on. (laughs) This grown-ass man seems to want his dad to want to give him a a piece of his empire. It's not how it works. Remember, I've told you guys multiple times. My dad even told me that, listen, my dude, um, when you step out of this house, you stepped out with the clothes on your back and whatever can fit in your bag. Anything else, that's mine. It's not yours. Go make yourself a man. You get what I mean? Mm-hmm. In not so nicer words, <laughs> but still, you know, the point uh-huh. is driven across. You get what I mean? Exactly. So mm-hmm. I think with that, I don't know. As much as it would be advantageous, of course, to maybe piggyback off your dad's um, success and whatever, but mm. amen. The way he he brought it out, I think that's what that's what got to me, and that's what made me realize that uh, no, this is just a plea for attention and for fame of some sort. I don't know. Okay. They could. The thing is, I'm not denying the abuse. I'm not denying the fact that there could be something that's happening there. But mm, yeah, I'm not seeing it. Okay. So with everything that you guys have said, right? I feel like, well, not with everything, but I feel like we need to go back to the beginning. When I first started talking about this, both of yours' reaction was like a grown man. <laughs> unpack that a little bit does the age actually matter does the age actually make a difference because i'm looking at this from the perspective of it's a parent and child dynamic i think your parents always see you as their child regardless of how old you get for me um when my mom is talking about me or my cousins she's like oh that child i'm like don't talk about them like they're a child they're 55 (laughs) i I think yeah it depends on you know what i mean does it does yeah, it because i i feel well for me if i'm like applying it on me mm-hmm. the way my mom treats me and my my siblings is like no matter how old we get she still calls us her little babies that's how it is but when mm-hmm. it comes to my dad he's different he does not baby us one bit but like, didn't he baby you when you were children when we were children yes and no like he was more like he was there, yes, yes. Like he did babies, but not to the point. You know, he was like, he was more of like, a, let me say, a lion, a lion. You know how lion teaches their cubs? Like you have to learn to stand on your own two feet. This is how. Mm-hmm. That's how my father was. Like he wasn't a very man, you know, but he was more affectionate when you were when we were kids than when we grew up because he was straightforward. He told me. My little brother is like, yo, when you guys turn 18, but he never did that with my sister, which is weird. When you guys turn 18. Get out my house. Out of the house. <laughs> because my father comes from a different time period. Even my, my, my mom always tells him, he's like, yo, you have to understand. My mom always tells me that you have to understand when you were 18, it's mm. not the same when they're 18. It's just a totally different thing. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, it makes sense because... My dad was, by the time he was 19, he was already working. He was working. So he grew up really fast. So I think mm-hmm. his whole mentality is that 
you gotta grow up fast. You got to get on your own feet. I can't leave you for too long. I'm gonna give you all that you need, all the resources to be the best person you can. It's either you take it or you don't. That's how my dad is. But my mom is more of, I'm gonna give you those resources, but I'm gonna like work with you along the way so that to make sure that you use those resources. But she's very, she's more of a, you know, compassionate. And my my, my dad is more of stern kind of, stern kind of love, you know? So I think it's different with with parents with different parents with me my dad if that was my dad my dad I think would have done the same thing but if it was my mom it would have been I think she wouldn't even have the conversation with me she'd be like ah on the phone an African woman <laughs> like that she's not gonna even she's not gonna entertain that kind of language I yeah so mm. I think it's the type of parents the environment you grew up in because mm. Kirk, let's not let's not like sugarcoat it. Kirk, Kirk, uh, Kirk Franklin is a black man. He's a black person, and that's how people from the black community, the parents from black community, will they they go ham on their kids. They they go hard. They're very strict, but not in a term like they they are very strict with no no love. Mm-hmm. They are very like very hard on us so that we become the best versions we are because. Yeah, that's that's how I see it. I think it just depends on the environment and the parents, you, the type of parents you have. Okay. I don't know what you guys think. Huh. Sage. I feel like Sage Bear. has a lot to say. Yeah, he has a lot to say. He was reacting very <laughs> yeah somehow as you were speaking. <laughs> so what do you I have to know. say, Sage? Um, okay, I think I relate with you, KG, in that my parents are somewhat the same. My mom will hold your hand, show you where to go, pick up this flower, don't eat that, don't do that, mm. you get what I mean. But my dad, my dad will let you burn. <laughs> <laughs> we will let you burn and be like, now you know the pain, don't do that again, you get what I mean. But in a I mean, pain way, is the I'm best like, teacher. I burnt myself exactly. with an iron once, I never yeah. did it again. Yeah, exactly. I still have those scars to this day. Yes, you do. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. <laughs> Mm-hmm. so like um as he says you know different parenting styles different i mean if that conversation was with his mom we might have had a whole different dynamic to it you yeah. know what i mean mm-hmm. it might have been mom you're not taking care of me how dare you say that blah, blah, blah. and then he starts naming things to try and maybe emotionally blackmail him then she'd be like okay and then the conversation ended without us ever knowing but because mm-hmm. he's trying to do the same thing to his dad and it's just like uh-uh don't ever step, don't overstep your boundaries like that, big yeah. boy. You get what I mean? Like, first of all, as you said at the beginning, he's a grown ass man. You get me? So, like, at this point, he needs to have something going for him or have an idea of where he wants to go. He doesn't seem to have that. If, it, if you listen to the conversations, if you listen to people who've tried to reach out to him for interviews and stuff like that, he doesn't seem to have a direction. He just seems to be going with the wind but knowing that he wants money from where he doesn't know but he wants it easy quick and wants to spend it quick or something of that sort so Mm. it's it's as as i i know my dad would react with with not so colorful words but would Mm -hmm. react the same way as kirk as kirk did the exact same way but we're saying like you guys are saying he would react the same way but we don't know what he was reacting to 
do you see what I'm saying? Like as much as as much as we're like, yeah, he just aired that part of the conversation or those parts of those conversations where Kirk was like at the mm. end of his tether, um, to make himself seem like the victim and Kirk like the aggressor. At the end of the day, we don't actually know what it is that he was reacting to. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. mm. for me, I feel like at no point does it, like as a parent, as a parent, you know when your kids are trying to push your button, right? You know mm, when your kids mm, are trying mm. to maybe like outsmart you in some way, test you in some way, like push the boundaries a bit. And so mm. you a- you should be able as a parent to be like, you know what, I'm not going to engage with you like this, or I'm going to engage with you in this manner. Or if you want to have this conversation at a later time when you've calmed down, then let's do that. But I feel like from the comments that I was seeing and the reaction that a lot of people have had, mm. we are very much of this this kind of like almost feels like we're excusing abuse because of his age for one but we have to bear in mind that this 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 estrangement if that's even a word um between the two of them started a very 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 long time ago so from his Mm. post he was talking about how um he was no longer allowed to take pictures of his family from the age of like 15 um however i'm not saying that that's true because his sister then came out and was like first of all that's a lie (laughs) secondly if you want to air things out we can all air things out we all have receipts um but like it's kind of like okay yes there must there has to be something there's no smoke without fire at the end of the day but my question is kind of like as the parent where do you do you know i'm saying like regardless of how old your kids are you can be you kind of have to be the bigger person you can't you can never sit with your kid and be like okay let's talk woman to woman let's talk man to man. like because you're the bigger <laughs> man literally you are literally uh, the bigger man. Uh, yeah. i don't know for me i just feel like when it comes to resolution i feel mm-hmm. like it's kind of like on the parent to resolve that yes that's true and like yes, not that's ev- true i understand not everyone is gonna have the same kind of dynamics because the other thing i don't know if you guys are aware of this show called iyanla fix my life have you heard of it come again iyanla fix my life have you guys no heard? i've never i've not had so that one this show right basically takes the whole premise of what happens in the family stays in the family and throws it out the window because people come onto the show with their whole families <laughs> And air okay. some things out, right? And you're like, they bring the receipts. <laughs> it goes in. Parents don't respect their kids. Grandparents don't like their grandchildren. Um, dads are having multiple affairs. All these different things in different families. It's just like on the show for you to watch and digest. And obviously, they work with the Yanla to get through. I think a lot of them is about the communication. What what I've said versus what you heard me say right yeah. so i could be like Ooh, oh, i'm really big one right i'm really offended um because i really i feel hurt when you talk to me in this manner right but then and what you've heard here, me say oh, exactly you don't know how to what you've heard you me say is i don't have any respect for you and you're just yeah. offended by my my sheer presence so then what happens mm. in that in in that whole show is that they kind of get into this point where it's like they literally sit there and have these conversations she's like um 
there was one where they had this comedian, I forgot what her name was, and her daughter. Oops, sorry, that was my pen. And her daughter, and they had to sit there with like uh, like masks in front of their faces. Um, and they just spoke, right? And then by the time they took the masks off, it was like, okay, so I've said this. What did you hear me say? And they would do that. Like the mom would say something and then the daughter would like get offended. And then she'd be like, okay, what did you hear her say? Then she'd say what she heard. And she was like, but that's not what she said, right? Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the time when it comes to like resolutions, the parent has to kind of be like, okay, there's something wrong with our relationship. Maybe let's try and fix it. But what we struggle with as people is what I've said versus what you've heard me say. And then when you bring Mm -hmm. it to the public now, or when you bring in like a third party, such as Yanla or the rest of us on Instagram, we can then look at it and be like, okay, so he said this, but we don't know mm-hmm. what the son said. Do you see what I'm saying? We can't be yeah. digested to be like, okay, what he said and how he's reacting don't quite align. We just have a reaction. We don't really know what's happening. What's the, thing, the thing is, is, yeah. is that the reaction is then being excused I haven't heard much from anyone talking about this is an abusive kind of way to talk to anyone, not even just like your child, to talk to anyone. That's a very, that's a very strong way of talking to anyone. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Regardless of age, regardless of age, listen, I'm 31, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. I see where you're coming from. I would never record a conversation with me and my mom and put it on Instagram. Exactly. So is that your mindset? You being an adult makes you realize, I can't do that to my my, my mom or my dad. I can't record them. But it's not even about that, though, because my thing is, when you've reached a resolution that's satisfactory, I don't think it would... If they had reached a resolution that was satisfactory for both parties or all parties involved, I don't think we would have reached this point where we're now having a conversation about it because we wouldn't have but the idea it, it, go, it goes back to the issue you mentioned earlier we don't know what the problem is that's you true. get me like yeah, yeah. And the only person with the recordings is the one who released the parts <laughs> that are so triggering. yeah so yeah. he made himself look like the victim there is no full conversation a dialogue of both of them to know what actually happened. So mm-hmm. he made it seem like the father was in the wrong. So because he knew what he was doing. He's a very smart man. I'll give him that because he put it out to the court of public opinion. As the public, we're going to be like, oh my God. They could just say such things. Just the way you vary. Yeah, yeah. Just, oh my God, that language. That you language see? is mad. Exactly. <laughs> so that's the only thing. He knew that that was going to get a reaction. And he made it so, he wanted to make it so clear that he's going to get the interviews. I'm sure, I don't know if you looked up other stuff. He's going on interviews. And when you go on interview, he's making money from those interviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he knew what he was doing. He's actually a businessman. I'll give him that. <laughs> you know, he wants, the, he wants that guap. Yeah, he's mm. doing bits. Okay. So... So I'm going so obviously the 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 whole um thing for this this conversation is should what happens in the family stay in the family right and I feel like that's a very strong um mindset within African households I've never had this yeah. conversation with a white person like ever um so I'm going to give you guys a a couple scenarios yeah 
Um, yeah. I was having this conversation with a friend earlier. So the first instance, and this is real life. This is real life. This is not a story. Well, it is a story, it's but it not a drill. Life. It's not a drill. <laughs> so this man um, murdered his wife, right? Uh, he murdered his wife and... Jesus. <laughs> I'm just going to... Sorry, I should have warned you. It gets deep. Oh, God. Um, oh, yeah. But the thing is, right, so people couldn't understand, like, what happened? How could this? Because the way that he did it was so wild, like, so wild. I don't want to go into detail because it's really bad. Mm. And it's really graphic. And um, I know not a lot of people listen to, like, true crime podcasts, whereas I listen to them pretty much every day. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I took a break from that because that was messing with my mind. Anyway, <laughs> this man murdered his wife in such a way, his wife and her niece, in such a way that everyone was like, how did this happen? Because this looks like he's rehearsed this before. Um, no one just wakes up and does something like this. What the hell? Then it came out that he had killed before. He had actually killed his mom when he was uh, in his early teens. But nobody told the wife, right? His sister knew, uh, his father knew, his brother-in-law, they all knew that when he was a teenager, he had murdered his mother and had attempted to murder his, his, his sister, but nobody told the wife, right? So my thing is, that's is this a, a black thing. man? No. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> when you're relaxed, oh my gosh. Anyway, somebody should have told her because what yes. ended up happening, obviously, is that she ended up um, being killed by him. But Losing the thing her. is, mm. She brought up so many different instances, sometimes where she would call the sister and be like, oh, you know, he was in the shed covered in blood, um, like a, a, an insane amount of blood. And I don't know what that's about. And the sister would always find a way to explain it away, you know, or like he disappeared for two days and went to this place. And then a few days later, a body was found there. And I don't know if that that's him or if I'm just being like, Paranoid. I'm being a bit crazy like oh yeah. it's just coincidental like they will always find ways to explain away these different things obviously it turned out that he was a low-key serial killer um but like that's a big thing and nobody told her even when she brought it to them when she would speak to the brother-in-law or the sister mm. or the dad about his weird behavior they always found ways to explain it away right and telling her literally could have saved her life but they kept it in the family and other people's. No. Yeah. All right. But they kept it in the family. So my thing is, obviously they should have told her, but at what point? So you're in the fact, like this is the family and there's something in the family that's happened. At what point do you tell someone that's about to become part of the family? Do you tell them before they get married? Or do you tell them once they've said that? And whose, whose responsibility is it to tell them? I mean, the, the groom. But then if it's something that's not about the groom, for example, or the bride, whichever family you're marrying into, it's not me, but like, I don't know, uh, one of my uncles is a, is a convicted sex offender. Uh, and he's free, so... And he's out here, and he comes to the family. Yeah. So, you know, if we have yeah. kids, maybe just don't Keep let them close. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I'm not laughing. Jeez. You are, mm-hmm. but <laughs> oh, no. Uh, 
You want to answer first? Or you, you're still thinking? I feel like you're still processing. Still processing? Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot that's going through my head. All but right. I will say... There's all... Um, okay, go ahead. Go no, ahead. you go ahead. You go ahead. So that you don't forget. Fair, fair. Um, I think there's no standard for keep it in the family, like air it out and stuff. There is no standard for that because, I mean from the smallest things that hey this person bites their nails you know that can be something that's aired out <laughs> and then and some mm-hmm. things that can be kept in silence like yo this person was convicted of rape but we believe they're innocent you that as much as um that should be talked about and stuff like that um some things should stay inside and deal with it as a family because you're trying to understand how this situation came to be or not even rape like maybe convicted of murder you know and and the family believes that you know these children are innocent at some point keep them inside but as time goes on um air it out you know like let the public help you mm-hmm. you get what i mean so it depends on the motive and the reason why you're airing it out i guess mm-hmm. i don't know i think for me that's the most important thing the motive the motive okay oh for me that is a very extreme situation that's an extreme case very extreme (laughs) and i feel for such things they should be they should be publicized i mean especially when you have for example a rape offender i'm I'm sure by law in fact here they're starting it that all sexual offenders if you have been a pedophile anything you are going to be registered and the public will be notified. Like mm-hmm. I know in the states they already they do that. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure in, in, in the UK. Yeah, we but have that yeah, well. even here the starting is very soon. We are going to be having. If you did that, you'll be put into people the public. Will they will let, yeah, people will know. So for something like that, that should be well known. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to general things like, for example, divorce in the family or things that generally like, for example what can I say infidelity in the family uh some people have what you call what's what I forgot the word what's when a a close relative uh has a relationship with a relative what's that what's that word again yeah stuff like that I don't need to know that I mean the public doesn't need to know stuff like that but when it comes to stuff that affect like abuse rape of uh stuff that affect the society at large then mm-hmm. that should be publicized but everything else that's what about mind, drug abuse drug abuse mm-hmm. no i don't need to know if i'm not close with you like if you are my friend like you say you're my friend yeah. if there's a problem in your family you have the right to tell me because we know each mm-hmm. other if i have a problem in my family i can tell you but if i don't know you why should i tell you that doesn't you know unless you're seeking help you know mm-hmm you need help from somebody but if it's something that is not does not affect the public at large mm-hmm. i don't think there's any point in telling the public especially if for example if we're to take that extreme uh, story that you told us vera if it happened in an african community the whole the whole community will know about it i mean yeah. the way yeah. people yeah. talk yeah. there's yeah. no way yeah. that nobody's gonna know in an african community if there's a murderer <laughs> In, in the community, everybody's like, going to know. I feel like in African communities, we believe strongly in mob justice. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I've seen a few times yeah. where someone has been caught for stealing. 
and literally a mob Listen. depends on them. Exactly. Like, they have to be saved by the police because otherwise yeah. saved by the so, police. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. This is this is the whole idea when they were even talking about letting the public know about pedophiles, sex offenders and all the like. People were saying, knowing how Africans are and how the public is, are they are these people are going to be, be safe? safe? And mm-hmm. they're not because no. if you were a convicted rapist or a murderer in an African community, you are not going to Listen. survive. There's <laughs> no way you're going long. to survive. You are not going to last long. You're mm. not going to be so. So I feel like those kind of things they should be put into the public. But in general sense, if it's in a very safe community in the Western, like in Western societies mob justice is not a thing so that's mm. fine but here they mm. should still be put out because we need to know that this man was a sexual offender or this mm. woman was a sexual offender we need to know but when it I comes think maybe to general, like yeah. like in terms of like employment i think maybe employers need to be need to be yeah. aware uh, yeah. but not necessarily for the general public so like if you're gonna hire mm. someone um you need to know that they've had a history if like say for example you're going to hire someone to be a maths teacher yeah at a girls school or something like yeah. that like the the school would then need to know to be like oh okay no we can't we can't give you that job yeah. what about if you're what, a risk. if, what if uh, you're living in an area and a sex offender is moving into that area would you want to know uh me personally yes but i'm thinking about the context of where you guys are right now because over yeah. here, we, we have yeah. the register. You know what I mean? We have the register. And yeah. like there's certain rules and certain laws that, that prohibit. So, for example, they can't live within certain miles or meters of a school. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, things like that. Um, but like with, <laughs> with this whole um, keeping things within the family, right? So I was... I think I told Sage about this. I was watching a show and I've, mm. I've seen it happen in real life as well, where this man, um, we have as, as Africans, I feel like some parts of, of our cultures are still very traditionalist. So like men have traditional gender roles and women have traditional gender roles. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you had like a man who is the, the, the breadwinner, he's the provider. Mm. That's his role. Mm in the family and the woman is the the caregiver she raises the children she keeps the home that kind of thing um but they're having like money issues because there's never enough money the kids need new uniform they need new shoes uh they're about to start a new semester they need books and all this other kind of stuff and he's giving her like a 20 here or 50 there but never really anything significant so she's like i can get a part-time job you know the like help with our finances and he gets really offended he's like how can you say that to me are you now like doubting my manhood type of thing right so she's in the situation where the money's not adding up and he's not letting her work um and she confines she confides in a friend who gives her like a thousand she's like oh i've got you know i've got some change here just hold this and gives her a thousand just like that um so she's able to like get groceries get shoes for the kids and all other kind of stuff and then also finds out that her husband doesn't actually have a job he lost his job like two three months earlier but he didn't say anything he's just been putting on his uniform every day and going to work because (laughs) pride right yeah so in that situation he then gets angry and he's like oh you're airing out our business to your friends telling our telling your friends our business but she's like 
but you don't have a job <laughs> and we have children to take care of. So like in, in that kind of situation, who is in the wrong? I think both are wrong in a way. Both are wrong in a way. I feel like he is wrong in the fact that he's not honest with his partner. We don't have, I don't have a job. Things are not looking good and not allowing her to go and get a job or help with the family. Mm -hmm. And she is wrong if she told someone that the husband is not like familiar with. Because in a way, if I'm having a problem with someone I care about or a significant other or a girlfriend or anything, and if I was to tell my friends that she's not particularly close with, it will hurt her in the type of way like, yo, why are you telling our business out? Or something like that. If it's nothing that is, I don't know if how it feel if you had a problem, if you were in a relationship and then your boyfriend told his friends, like, yo, I mean, Vera has so many problems. I can't believe, like, yo, this is this and this. How would you take that? You know, mm -hmm. it feels like you are not actually coming to me and tell me like this is the problem. But I, I feel like but she told both, him though. She, she told, told him, him then. I feel like he, this is the thing. Yeah, I, she she came to him and she was like, yeah. "We don't have money, and I need to work." And because of his his yeah. identity or his his masculinity being tied to him as a, mm -hmm. being a provider, he took offense to that. Do you know what I'm saying? And like when yeah. we talk about like things staying within the family or whatever, or airing out our, yeah. our laundry in public, we're not necessarily talking about speaking it out to the general population. I'm talking like yeah. I had a conversation with my best friend. And oh, your best friend, then that's fine. I feel like it's your best friend, that's fine. Offended. But that I was mean, her best then, friend, and he took offense like, serious then, offense. I think he's it's pride and defeat, mm. and I think it's a mixture of pride and humility. He's just humiliated as a mm. you know, he there's so much pressure. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on men today that we have to provide, we have to hold today. the entire world. You have I mean, we, you have independent women out here buying their own clothes, doing mean, their own nails, I, I paying like their own word, bills. <laughs> I feel like the word is thrown out, thrown around very loosely nowadays. I mean, hmm. I don't know what you think, Sage. About what? Oh, the the independent women? Independent. Yeah. You know them ones. Um, I think if I'm being honest, and I know I'm going to be I think women are selectively independent a lot majority of women are selectively independent they choose what to be independent in and then the rest of it they're like I need a man who can take care of this and that and that and that not all of them that's why I say selectively independent as well on top of that um, a lot of women of those who are selectively independent are also very selfish in that they feel if a man cannot meet up to the standard they've worked up to, um, he does not qualify to be part of their life and then get shocked again when no man bothers to <laughs> encroach upon their territory and then get double shocked again <laughs> when now they start to open up to those men and get taken advantage of. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying they're setting themselves up for failure when doing so. So all I'm saying is um, 
I'm not against women being independent. No, yeah, me too. Don't get it wrong. Like, mm-hmm. get your money, sis. Yeah. Get your necklace, get your house, get your car, get your Birkin. You know what I mean? Oh, like, get, get, get your own Birkin, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But don't think that just because now you've done that um, and you've gotten yourself on a certain in a certain level, you deserve a certain level of admiration or respect or attention. You get what I mean? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But anyway, that's diverting from the issue. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so yeah, just going back on the issue, I feel like he was wrong because he didn't allow... He didn't, uh, he didn't allow for help. He didn't accept the help that she was offering him. And, yes. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. accepting help from your significant other, even though you're a man, is not a sign of weakness. That's even, mm-hmm. that's the whole point of being in a marriage or a relationship. You know, Hello. you need help. You know, if if the pilot is not, is like fainted, what's going to happen? <laughs> you have the co-pilot. You need a co-pilot. This is the mm-hmm. whole point. So I think he was just being stubborn. And just living in old times, he had to. He has to grow up for his own family, for his kids' sake. I mean, at that point, think about your children. It's Don't think about, about yourself. Him. Not all long yeah. about him. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I wanted to tie this up, yeah, um, mm-hmm. with just a quick look at the the Meghan and Harry interview. Ooh, listen. In the in the. That was the most interesting one. <laughs> In this, because literally March has been like keep family stuff to the family, and people have been out here like, Mm. uh, no, yeah. Uh, so, so in this situation, right? So, the extreme example that I gave you guys, where um, people within the family could have told this this woman about her Mm. husband's history, even though the record was buried because he was a he was a a young youth, um, when it all took place. It could have mm-hmm. saved her life, right? And mm-hmm. um, in this kind of situation, right? She being sort of an outsider came in. I'm talking about Megan, right? Because my yeah. thought, my thought process with regards to how, like, when do you tell her? When do you tell her that her husband killed his mom? Do you tell her before? Do you tell her after? Could have told her before. Someone's dog is being very loud. <laughs> it's quite distracting, but anyway. Could have told her before they got married, right? Um, and that would have led to probably her leaving. And then he meets someone else. They get together. Uh, just before they get married, they tell her, by the way, uh, killed my mom when I was a kid. Um, is that a deal breaker for you? She's like, uh, yes. Pieces out. Next person comes. You know, it's the same, same pattern will kind of like present itself. This person comes is too much for them they will go away at that point at a certain point it's going to be okay it's no longer just within the family enough people know by it because the girls are going to go away they're going to tell their girlfriends oh my gosh i can't believe i almost married this guy only to find out that he you know has murdered in the past or whatever now with the megan situation she came into the family right and then she saw this the skeletons in the closet of the family and then left. She didn't leave the family. She and her husband mm-hmm. left, left the household and were like, yeah, we need to talk about what happened in the family. But this is like someone from the outside came in and is now kind of exposing what was kept in for a long time. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? 
So, yeah. like, I don't know. How do we feel about that? First of all, forgetting forgetting the fact that it's like the royal family or Meghan or whatever, just as a, just as it is, she was literally someone from the outside. She came in and then she was like, "Wow, this is how you men live." Okay, Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know how these guys are, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I don't know how to separate it from the fact that it's the royal family. I mean, to me, when I saw the whole. Hey, you can separate Kirk from his gospel. I mean, yeah, with him, it's easier. It's easier. <laughs> I mean, for this one, okay, for this one, it's because it has, like, it has an influence on the situation that's happening mm-hmm. to her. I mean, when. When I just heard the, the interview, when I saw the interview, I was like, I was kind of confused with Megan's reaction. I mean, it was a dire situation. Like, this is the royal family. This is a, a family that has built its empire on colonialism. Mm. This is a family rooted. It's a family rooted in conquest. You know, that's what they've been doing before. Even the the, the main ones that we have right now, the 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 previous ones. These people were. They didn't care about, you know, themselves or they cared about their own people and the people that looked like them. So it was obvious that you're going to find some racial tendencies that you think they're going to change after. Mm, mm-hmm. It's not going to change. This is what they mm-hmm. are. This is who they are. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. just a facade. So I felt like it was obvious. I, I mean, really even before, <laughs> I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised. Mm. I wasn't surprised. I mean, if before even the whole thing about would they ever be a black royal in, in Britain, I knew that it's not a secret that the royal family has racial racist tendencies. It's there, it's been there. You gotta remember that in all royal families, even even African royal families, Asian royal families, everything, purity. Like ethnic purity is a big deal, mm-hmm. you know. Purity of the blood—that's a big deal. So purity of the bloodline. It's even, yeah. Even if you like, if I was to marry into a Zulu family, oh, the bride mm-hmm. price will be extreme. Like it'll be high because I am not. Yeah, it will be. They they charge you based on where you come from. That's how it is. Like because you're it. not Zulu. Your yeah, because I'm not Zulu. My bride price is gonna be higher because I'm not a Zulu man. You know. So they, it's all about for so for the royal family they have they have I think they're the lo- longest one of the longest running monarchs right. Mm. So obviously when it comes to racial purity they wanted that they are all of them I don't think there's anyone who's mixed in that family maybe there is but it's all about racial purity with them and they they were make would feel some kind of way in a mixed mm. royal in the family that lineage is going to change without a doubt but considering also that megan doesn't come from royalty like yeah. completely and she's yeah. not even british like there is no sense of royalty exactly yeah. you see oh yeah she's so not, not only <laughs> harry, never even thought about that harry Bray, <laughs> not only did harry he Bray, brought a whole uh, cocktail like mate black, <laughs> exactly mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. like a black woman who's not royalty who's not from britain and who doesn't know a single thing about the yeah, so that's pretty much the pretty much how it is. I mean, I, I don't know. Is there anything more can we say? 
but then actually you've kind of raised a very good point because I feel like would we react the same way like if 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 um if one of the princes for example in an African royal family wanted to marry a white woman would it be the same you know what I mean like or not even a white woman like a mixed race woman who's like uh I don't know half Nigerian, yeah, half French yeah. or something yeah. like that, or half, yeah. wait, half Congolese, half French, right? Yeah, for example, yeah. um, would it be the same and would we react in the same way? Because I think that's actually a very good point that we don't, we don't really expect for a Zulu royal family to have non Zulu people yeah. in the family. I don't know about now, I think, but now when it comes to black the black royals i think they wouldn't mind that much in this day and okay. age but if we look at in the past like for example history of our own country mm. when the founding father said Kama, who was a king and, and before you know and he married a mm. white woman and a lot of the people were not happy because what white represented at the time you know a lot apartheid and just racial tension so it was shocking mm-hmm. for a king a black king to marry a British woman at that time and people were like what the hell is he doing does he not mm-hmm. know that these people are treating us badly and does he not know so it's at, at that time yes it was a huge deal but I don't know about now because mm-hmm. now I don't think it would be a problem are we really going to go into the history of Botswana? <laughs> it's no you know it's it's answering the question we don't we don't have how, to go into the history we don't, just, we don't need I'm to go into the history just like how would it how would a black royal feel if an outsider, not from the same ethnic group or racial group, how would they feel? So that was the question. Mm. It becomes, I think the reason why it, it's so touching to the royals, or rather the company that runs the royals, the royals business the is because yeah, yeah. He, yeah. That's what yes, they keep calling it. They ask the, institution. <laughs> the institution. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> because they, they, they keep asking themselves, is it so bad that you had to go get a foreigner to come and rule your people? Because don't forget that um, this person doesn't is not coming in to become part of just the family. He's coming in and then owning, what do you call it, a piece of land, a group of people and deciding their fates, quote unquote. Now, as much as that sounds absurd and I sound cynical and so kind of like Pierce Morgan or whatever, mm-hmm. it must be known that they have rules, they have agreements that they have with different families, with different, um, what do you call it, communities, with different businesses or whatever, that need to stand the test of time for them to show themselves as reliable. Because as you said, you know, it's the longest standing monarch and therefore they have a reputation to hold up. And here comes Harry and be like, I really don't give a damn, <laughs> you know? I feel like I think we can kind of compare it to say African royals and stuff but at the same time we can't because Mm -hmm. the level of influence is not the same like at all Mm -hmm. I don't really hear about African royal families on the news if one of them gets sick if one of them goes into hospital I don't know anything about it you know what I'm saying whereas like Mm -hmm. for the last two weeks I've been hearing about Prince Philip like, oh, he's been taken to this ward. Oh, he's been discharged. Oh, it was, it was, you know, it was a mine. And I'm like, but I don't That's care. That's a business. I feel with them, it's a business. Yeah. 
So mm. I, I, I don't know if, if the comparison can be made. I mean, to some degree it can, but not to a very great one. Yeah. Um, mm. I, just, I just found the whole conversation around the interview very interesting because I saw reactions before I saw the interview. Did you guys see the interview? Mm. Okay. We saw, not I saw much. a bit of it anyway. Not the full, yeah. I just saw yeah. glimpses and Oprah's reaction. Oprah's reaction was so funny. <laughs> I, she gave us memes for that will last a while. Yeah. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she did. You know, um, I, I won't lie. Before, before we actually got on this recording, me and KG were actually looking at a couple of videos. Mm-hmm. And there's something that he said that actually got to me. Mm-hmm. That people forget that as much as Oprah is influential and she's loving and stuff like that, she's a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. And this is her business. Mm-hmm. And so therefore her reactions are actually based on as much as it can be a human reaction it's her business, quote-unquote, um, was this modus operandi. Okay. Her reactions are her modus operandi. I'm not going to lie. I've never from, watched an Oprah interview mm. before today, before this one. Really? Yeah, I've never. I've seen you them. As in, like, I've seen them advertised. I've seen them, like, flash yeah. up on my timeline and stuff. Like, when she did... Did she do an interview with Pharrell at some point? And they were sat in, like, like Javente-style mm, yeah. chairs and whatnot. But, like, I've never... Like sat down to watch yeah. an Oprah interview. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. So for me, that was for, I. I felt like she could have reacted more, but I then. I then I thought maybe it's because of who she was. But then again, um, there had to be a certain level of like put togetherness yeah. because that whole like mm-hmm. there were concerns raised about the color of his skin. The color of the skin. I mean, actually, would have been like. <laughs> and then the part. Uh, say what? I mean, for <laughs> me, like, what? For, for that, I mean, my reaction would be like, if it was me, I'm glad it wasn't me interviewing me. I'm like, <laughs> well, well, duh, I mean, it's, it's obvious. I mean, like, come on. I mean, it's pretty obvious that there was going to be concerns like that. I mean, even in just regular families, just regular families, nobody. Are there going to be conversations like that? Because on a scale of oh, yes. oh, maybe, oh, listen, yes. listen, oh. listen, guys, before you jump on me, please, please, be like. <laughs> On a scale of navy blue to like caramel latte, yeah, yeah, Megan mm. is very much on the caramel latte side of the black complexion. I mean, if she was right? here, it looks like she was made more milk she was, than water. If she was in, if she was here in Southern <laughs> Africa, she wouldn't be considered black. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's basically that. So, for the whole conversation about complexion to be a thing, I was like where where unless it comes from like maybe you know sometimes there's certain things that skip a generation or like you have a kid that will come out with red hair yeah when everyone in their family is like blonde or something it's like oh your great great grandmother Mm. was a strawberry yeah yeah you know what i'm saying that's Mm -hmm. the only reason i can think to think okay maybe this kid is gonna come out (sighs) dark as the midnight sky possibly but even Mm -hmm. then why is that a conversation like from your guys' perspective, because is, you're telling me that complexion conversations are a norm, and I'm, I'm yes, are they? You forget that as we grow up, you are told not to be too dark. Um, culture is, you know. So now we're talking about colorism. Like so we're talking about colorism without the washing, the bathing with um with milk, 
and honey oh they they must what do you call it must stay under the sun too long you you're too dark why are you always in the sun you're as black as night if you smile at dark time we'll only see your teeth you yeah. see those kind of jokes yeah, those kind of, i mean as much as that's, as that's much a whole as, think, other conversation guys that's a that's huge a conversation whole... exactly yeah, no it is a huge now that for that the thing is for th- those conversations are happening even in the USA. It's not like it's just an African mm-hmm. community. You get it's everywhere. I mean? So for for them to be shocked at that kind of thing, at the royal family of all other families that we know is is what you call it in ch- Yes. So here's my question. Yeah. I don't know if it's a question or a mm. statement. Um, have you ever had that kind of situation where you like bully your siblings, basically? right you basically like play fight bully your siblings yeah but then if somebody mm. who's not in the family comes to your siblings and says the same thing it's war right we're like yeah we're fighting yeah. because yeah. how dare you yeah. say that about my kin right yeah i feel like yeah. the colorism conversation is different to that conversation because that's like mm-hmm. your mom or this other black person saying something to you about your complexion. Oh, you've gotten lighter. Oh, you've been in the sun too long. Oh, whatever, whatever. Not to say that it makes it's it okay. Just, it's like this again. But that's know. your fault. Whereas, I mean, like, if somebody that is not in the family comes <laughs> for a family member, it's war. <laughs> you can't tell me it's not. It's not the same conversation. I, yeah, I think it. I think it depends on what. It, if someone it, not in my family told me, "Yo, you're dark," I wouldn't really care because I have no emotional connection with them. And because I feel growing up is, I mean, with colorism is a very big problem in the African community. In fact, in the black community, mm-hmm. because we have been really taught to hate our yeah. own color. Yes. No matter how much mm-hmm. people want to be like, nah, it's not true. It is because I can't. Do people remember. say that it's not true. Yeah, a lot of people say a lot of people in the in America in the West they'd be like, nah, colorism is not even a thing. There's no such thing as colorism. I'm like, what? I think if I'm being honest, it's only later in my life that I started imagining myself. You know, you have the way you imagine yourself as a certain person, mm-hmm. or you see yourself as a certain maybe celebrity or a certain individual, then you try to live out maybe in your head your life as them mm-hmm. to try and maybe solidify a persona in yourself so that you can carry forward with it. Uh, me being a shy kid or growing up, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I used to do that. But with mostly white folk, I only realized that later when I started actually doing it with black folk, that I, that was actually a major part of me growing up, mm. that I did that a lot with white folk. There was only one or two, three black people in my head that I'll try to imagine myself as. Mm. And then as growing up, that's when I realized that, hey, there's power in being me. Yeah. So then I would look for, you know, people around me who look like me that I could actually exemplify. Mm. It's only, as I said, later on that's when I realized that this was actually a thing. As much as I can deny that, no, I was never taught to hate myself. The cartoons it's watched, the, cal- the shows that were brought up. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, look at the different types of black shows versus white shows. Mm-hmm. When you see a black show, all you see is just <laughs> talking all over and there's like so much energy going in like how positive and stuff. Like yeah. That. And then when you see a white show, it's portrayed as calm mm-hmm. it's quiet it's only i think bill cosby show that to where i saw like a calm black family and then more shows started yeah coming and up. i was there were more i think as we were growing up but maybe i wasn't privileged to see them so it's just one of those things where it, it's a recent thing actually are starting to like our skin 
that's not yeah, a it's not mm-hmm. a problem. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's something that we haven't even. I feel like now in the African community, it's not something we we speak about like colorism a lot because we see mm. it as the norm. Because I'm sure you guys know this. When we were in China, all the billboards were either Asian people or white women or white men. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. never. Mm-hmm. Black I never individual. saw a single billboard mm-hmm. with a black person on it. I've never seen the only billboards I would see with black even people. Even on TV, actually. Even on TV, the only big yeah. public, the only black person on a billboard I I only saw in China were NBA or Act. Yeah. Oh my that god. Was the only, that was it. I love that NBA. Was Jeez. That was the black only was Jordan it. and Kobe were everywhere. They were everywhere. Every, even on like the yeah. the, the, the uh, what you call this, the notebooks. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that was the only thing I. That's when I realized I was like, you know what? This is what they see us as athletes running. They just see us as entertainers. They don't see us as individual people. And even in the Chinese culture, colorism is still a big thing because the lighter you are in China, the more beautiful you are. The more mm-hmm. the more you come from a wealthy family, the darker you are in China, they see you as not. Nah, you come from a poor background, anything. But looking in my own community in Africa. Cleansing is a huge thing. It's a big business. It's so funny how it's a big business that lightning and lightning cream and all these things are a huge thing in Africa because we don't teach our own children. And I I don't blame my parents or my grandparents. I blame the generation that took this and kept on pushing it. You know, I cannot blame and say, no, it's white people's fault. Fine. They brought this idea of white being like close to godliness and stuff like godliness. that godliness mm-hmm. yeah white is right yeah white <laughs> is right but our ancestors had to take that and say you know what that's not true love yourself just like me growing up as a child i was always attracted to uh whiteness like white girls and all that but i was never surrounded by white girls i was like why mm-hmm. and i understood i was asking myself why is that you know because I was always judged by the color of my skin. I'm dark skin because with my siblings, I'm more lighter than me, genetics. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know what God did. Sometimes I thought it was a joke that he was trying to put me, like it's a funny <laughs> joke too. So, so I was always that guy. I have a biracial co- uh, cousin. I, I grew up with him. He's like a brother to me. So he was always getting the attention all the time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I thought it was a cute, maybe he's more cute than me, but it was always the color. And I was like, mm-hmm. so... Growing up as a child, I would always assume, okay, I have to have lighter kids. I have to be closer. I have to date a white girl. That was when I was like 10, 14 years old. But when I got to 15, I started to realize, you know what? If I'm not going to love myself, then there's no point in loving any other kind of person. So I had to go through extensive, like really decolonizing my mind and say, you know what? God made me this way and I have to accept mm. the way I am and I have to love the way I am. And ever since then, I don't even, I'll never see myself date a white person in my life because that's how I just feel because I realize that most of, people say they have preference, but I feel like sometimes your preference is dictated by what you have been told and what you see in society and what you have always mm. been, you know, because mm. every time, mm. even when you go into town, I'm sure you experience this, Sage, when you're dressed a certain type of way or you're looking good, you're looking clean you know, or fresh, they'll be like, hey, smelling nice. That statement means it means white. You know, this white person. So it was those 
kind of statements people don't really think wow. of them as like jokes but yeah they carry so much it's weight real. you know yeah because if you're telling young kids or young person like oh hey you are putting in that idea that oh if i look fresh that means i'm white you know mm. and i'm telling you i've had the most weird conversations with, with friends when i was in high school girls would say no i really want to date a white guy because i want white kids i'm like that's a problem now you're not going to get white kids but that's the thing i don't blame them for saying that it's just how we have been raised by society by our parents and our parents parents who never lent that you know so this is why I feel like that's one thing we lack in the community in the black community we don't lift ourselves and we grow up we grow up uh hating on our color to the point that we generally forget okay mm-hmm. what what is black and what is not and first of all we're not black we're just brown people but we forget that these terms were not our own because our ancestors we never looked at ourselves with our color we, we always looked at ourselves or put ourselves with our clans mm-hmm. you are from here you're from this clan Color was not a big thing in, in, in with our ancestors, so this is a foreign term for us. So, yeah. You know, talking about our ancestors, yeah. There's one king in the Botswana culture, King Tekedi. There was a time he's actually the first black man to whip a white man, punishing him. What? I've never heard of this. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I heard it, some adults were speaking about it in passing, but they were like, "You're an the adult white man too." Done some stupid <laughs> yeah, you. No, no, no. I, I want to reaffirm you in your adulthood <laughs> that you're an adult as well. Listen, your elders, they're your thing, elders, yeah. but you are also this, an adult. Yeah. yeah, Like listen, this adulting thing. Yeah, it's, it's a trap. Too much. <laughs> it's getting too much. I don't. Sometimes you just have to be a soldier. Sometimes. <laughs> these elders were just they, they were just, they were having a conversation they're passing by it and they were like no you know what happened was this white man had done something stupid the the king at, of the territory wanted to punish him they were like no you can't punish him why because he's white mm-hmm. and what he does he brings in albino kids and he's like we have our white people they get punished do they not look have the same skin code as silence he's like <laughs> Then let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Whipped him good. <laughs> wow. And they couldn't punish him because Tekedi, the king, had gotten a degree at a white university, like at a university in South Africa. So he understood that language and they couldn't trick him out of his land mm. because he understood what they were saying. Mm. He was educated. I guess this is where the black men went. I guess. When, just when, point. when was so, this? One said one point. When nine, was this? The, ni- the, the 90s. 90s. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Guys, I want to thank you for joining me on today's uh, recording. This has been a very intense conversation. I want to just say yes or no. Mm. I just want to hear a yes or no. Should what happens in the family stay in the family? Yes. Yes. Wow. That was... <laughs> listen. No, listen. listen. That was like, mad. As, much as, as much as there are stuff that should be added, yeah. like, mm-hmm. like straight out, this should not stay in the family. Everyone should know. Like, let's get it out there and get support. Majority of things should be held yeah. internally, dealt with properly. Yeah. 
not that's closed and covered and boxed away, yeah. dealt with properly mm-hmm. internally. Yeah. Yeah. If not, air it out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I agree. I, I agree with Sage. Yeah. 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 We had some pretty nice uh, disagreeable agreements, which is good. Which is good. Yeah. So, KG, um, where Wait, can. Hold on. Vera. Mm-hmm. Vera. Mm-hmm. Vera. Yes or no? I said I agreed with Sage. I said I agree with Sage. Mm -mm. Yes. No, no, no. Never. Yes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Let it all hang out, man. Let it all hang out. But this is the thing. Like, I think it it depends on the resolution. If we haven't come to a conclusion Mm. that is that is uh, satisfactory for all parties involved, yeah, then let that let that breathe, man. Do you know what I mean? Because but it can never if and there's can, stages. It could never be satisfactory for everyone. No, but there's stages though. Because like say if it's a big thing, mm. say if it's like a massive, massive disagreement, there's stages that you can take. Mm. So it doesn't necessarily mean okay, we don't get along, we're not coming to the same point. Let's all put it on social media or let's all go do a tell or interview mm. or whatever. There's stages that the family within themselves can take. For example, we can bring in mediation. Somebody mm. else comes Counseling. in, could be a counselor, yeah. could be exactly. a mediator, could, exactly. be, could be a pastor who is actually ordained and knows what they're doing and doesn't or have... Or psychologist. <laughs> the best thing would be to go you know to saying? a psychologist. Yeah. Have, an, have an, an Iyanla moment where have exactly. the two parties sit down, say what you have to say, and then you're like, okay, what did you hear them say? And see if they're actually listening to one. Because I think mm. the main thing that happens is a communication breakdown. Because I'm already coming at you with mm. my own feelings. I'm not really hearing what you're saying. Do you know what I mean? But if it's something like, I don't know, like murder, let's just, let's oh, just have that gosh. out. That's an extreme situation. But like, let's just have it out. If you're talking about like, say, mm. um, the question you asked earlier about like drug abuse. I feel like that one can be kept in the family. Because at the end of the day, you don't want that person moving through life being judged by a phase okay. that they went through if yeah. i've mm-hmm. um went through like five years where i was like addicted to something heroin crack whatever or yeah. i spent five years in prison or um i don't know something else right you don't then want mm. me as your family member or just as any human being mm. to be judged the rest of my life based on a mistake that i made when i was younger to when i'm trying to, very true. Yeah, when i'm trying to then better myself and move away from that being my identity but if we're gonna then just Mm. let anyone and everyone know about it it's gonna be impossible for that person to move forward especially in our communities like when everybody knows everybody knows and it becomes like Mm. folktale because the next generation will know about it and then the next it just gets passed down from generation to generation through storytelling you know people add their spice they add the little salt the little pepper you know what i mean and then it becomes Mm. a whole thing so yeah, I think generally, yes, but also it has to be, we have to have healthy resolutions to things, not just burying everything under the rug and just never talking about yeah. it. We need to have more um, constructive conversations. Speaking about resolutions, uh, next time, yeah, I think we should have a conversation about girls who only date guys who've gone to prison. What? Is that a thing? Is you know what? Thing? You know what? <laughs> Is I'm that a thing? Get, I'm, I'm just hating. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just hating. I'm just hating. <laughs> I'm not even going to get into that with you because that's how. Wow. Um, 
Can you tell Listen, us let's, let's where we can find you? Should well, we you can find me on my Instagram. Uh, my, my Instagram uh, handle, KVMG7. That's where you can find me. I think that's the most mm-hmm. important. That's what I use mostly. And okay. you can also check out my Facebook on Keith Bima Chalagundi. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. Do you want to? Yeah. Okay. We're going to stick to the Insta because those were a lot of words. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I would tell you to spell it, but I don't, I don't feel like, I mean, people don't really use Facebook that much now. Yeah. People don't use Facebook. That's why I said Instagram. Yeah. So, yeah. KBMG7. Easy. KBMG7. Okay. Yeah. And we are here, the noise pod on all platforms that is Twitter, SoundCloud, Spotify, Facebook, Instagram. Um, Apple Music Um, yeah I think that's one of them so thanks for tuning in guys and um, we will self care self love thank you self care self love yes Um, so with with that being said bye Jan cheers